Hello, you're listening to Peterborough Currents. I'm Aisha Barmania. In this episode of the Budget Week podcast, we're going to talk about the thing that came at the top of the list of the Survey of Citizens' Priorities for the 2021 budget, and that's housing and accommodations. So my colleague and co-publisher, Will Pearson, has been following the developments on affordable housing and homelessness, and he's with me now to tell us about it. Hi, Will. Hello. Um, so take us through the, the broad strokes of what we're going to talk about today. Sure. So there's a couple of things in the 2021 budget that um, jump out at me when I when I first look at it. The first is a pretty significant increase to the amount of money the city is spending on homelessness services. Mm-hmm. Um I also notice an increase to the rent supplement program, which is which is great to see. Um, but not everything that the city does around housing and affordable housing does get reflected in the 2021 budget, either because it gets funded by other levels of government or because some of the ways that the city, um, you know, encourages affordable housing development, for example, is not really through funding, but more through softer measures like incentives, um, to encourage development. So I think we'll, uh, maybe in this conversation, we'll stray from the budget itself a little bit to talk about those areas. Um, But those first two things I mentioned are what jump out at me in the budget document itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and so we talked a little bit during our last episode um, about the funding increase that's drafted in the budget for the the shelter system. Uh, So for folks who missed it, uh, for for folks who missed that episode, what's that going to pay for? Sure, yeah. so the first thing to say is just that the the shelter system continues to be experiencing a lot of a lot of pressures. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a high level of need in the community for the shelter services. So during budget week, um, council approved a plan to increase the base funding for the youth emergency shelter by about sixty thousand dollars, mm. as well as increase the the starting wage for shelter workers to bring it up to a living wage. Um, so that's kind of two of the ways that homelessness money is being uh the increased money is being spent mm-hmm. um, most of the money increased in the in the homelessness program this year uh, is going to the shelter system itself okay gotcha there's a little there's a little bit of conversation about this during the finance committee meetings right yeah there wasn't really a lot of debate about whether this uh budget line should increase i think the the councillors were all pretty well on board with the idea of mm-hmm. increasing the funding but instead they they really used the budget meeting as an opportunity to uh, some councillors at least to voice their support for for the shelter system and i think this comes i think there's a little bit of frustration on council for some of the ways that the media have been covering homelessness in the city um i okay. think that they they sense that uh maybe the media is focusing on negative stories and bad news stories and ignoring the good news uh keith riel spoke about his uh his wish that the media um covered some of the successes of the city a little bit more for example get your story straight This council is committed to helping the less fortunate. This council has put money where their mouth is, and we continue to do the job and help the people that are marginalized and need the help. So why don't we have a good news story about what we're doing? And then Diane Terrian spoke, you know, again, just to support the shelters and uh, in particular the, the shelter workers. Of course... Uh, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot, uh, you know, a lot of work still to be done. Our shelter system, our housing and homelessness system is not perfect. There are, you know, we do hear a lot of concerns about the Brock Mission and why the Brock Mission are doing, you know, running this service and that. Uh, it's also important to note that there aren't a lot of organizations that are wanting to do this work. 
it's, uh, you know, these frontline workers are not paid a living wage. They're not paid nearly enough for the amount of time and energy that they put into trying to help people. So it's really easy to criticize. Uh, it's, you know, but there are people that are working in the Brock system at YES, at all of our frontline shelter services that put in everything that they have for minimum wage, really. And, it, and so, you know, it's easy to say, do this, do that, but folks don't realize how much is happening behind the scenes. So that, uh, that took up most of the, the conversation around the budget, uh, at the budget meetings. You know, it, it, it must be frustrating because um, this is not the first year recent, in recent memory that mm. uh, the city has increased its, its funding of the shelter system. Right, yeah. And this comes as, you know, every city official and every community partner will tell you that homeless shelters aren't the solution to homelessness. Mm. Uh, housing is the solution to homelessness. Uh, and... Yeah, it just must be frustrating every year to, to see the level of need in the community for these emergency responses um, and the need to continue to increase funding for them when that funding could be used to for more long-term solutions if uh, if we could just pivot to, to, to pursue some of those longer-term solutions a little bit more easily. Sure. Um, when I spoke to Dorothy Olver, who's the program manager for homelessness in the city, she said that... We would eventually love to see that... Um, you know, all the funding that we have going into emergency shelters could be used very, very differently in our system if we didn't need emergency shelters. But I think we need to acknowledge that we're going to need to have some level of response. Our shelters will openly say to anybody they'd gladly work themselves out of business and not need to have homeless shelters. Um, but we're going to be a while before we get there. So, you know, th th there's a desire to to get out of the shelter business, as Keith Riel has said a couple of times, um, but we're not there yet it would seem. And so, yeah, the city is continuing to increase the, the amount of money that it puts into the shelter system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so getting out of the kind of emergency sh shelter system, there's that other level of helping folks stay in housing. Uh, what are some uh, what are some programs that we can see the city contributing now that do that? So it seems that every year at Budget Week, uh, rent supplements come up because okay. it's uh, it's usually a topic of conversation. And in, I think in the past three or four years, at least, uh, there's been the council has made it a practice to, to boost the level of support for rent supplements mm. each year, and that's happening again this year. Yeah, so what is a rent supplement? What are we talking about there? Right. Um, a rent supplement is a payment that the city makes to, to help bridge the gap between what an apartment costs for a tenant and what they can afford. Okay. Uh, and they're, they're usually made directly to landlords, mm. and so it's a... Uh, the money goes to the landlord from the city, uh, and then the, the tenant is able to pay that 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 much less rent. And there's a, a few different kinds. Some of them are rent geared to income rent supplements. Uh, some are like a flat fee. So I think the housing choice rent supplement is around, averages around 250 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. um, and is that tied to the apartment unit or is that tied to the family that's moving in? Uh, there's a couple of the different programs. Okay. Some of the rent supplements are portable, so you can move with them and they aren't tied to particular units and some are uh, tied to particular units. Okay. And the yeah, and so this year we're seeing a $50,000 increase uh, for the Housing Choice Rent Supplement, and that's a rent supplement that is worth, that's the one I just mentioned, that's worth about $250 a month. That's the average anyway, uh, and it's portable. And I spoke to Rebecca Morgan Quinn about this. She's the manager of housing at the city. She expects that about 10 new households will be able to access that rent supplement in 2021 because of the increase. So so that's good news. Um, one, of the, one of the drawbacks to rent supplements is that 
often the ones that are funded by other levels of government anyway usually um, have expiry dates. And so we've seen in the past actually situations where the city had to increase its own spending on rent supplements, not to increase how many rent supplements there are, but actually just to cover ex- expiring programs, which right. is which is too bad. Um, and the, the draft budget does point out that there are a few um, rent supplement funding programs from the provincial and federal government that are set to expire over the next five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's putting about 100 households at risk of losing their rent supplement. Um, Councillor Kemia Capo noticed that and asked about it during deliberations. Here's what um, Commissioner of Community Services Sheldon Laidman responded. So uh, that is a very important uh, risk to, I think, the long-term future of the rent supplement program and the social housing program in general is that, as Councillor Capo mentioned, a number of these programs are are, are about to sunset and they expire and they're leaving a a large number of units in a precarious situation. So housing managers across Ontario, I know, have been lobbying the the provincial government for many years to give some certainty to that going forward, because it is a risk. So that's um, that's something to keep an eye on in the coming years. I think the it's not until I think 2023 that the first batch of these supplements um, expire. So there's a little bit of time for senior levels of government to develop programs, hopefully, to, to replace them. But we'll see what happens. Right. But until then, in this budget, the $50,000 that you mentioned, that's just increased service money. That's new municipal money for new rent supplements. Yeah. Oh, great. Right. So these rent supplements are kind of about getting people into and keeping their housing. What what about getting more affordable housing built, like just getting more units on the market? What's the city's role in that? And is there any investment on that front? Yeah. So, you know, that's not actually something that we see reflected in the budget document a whole lot. And I think that's just a reflection of the fact that um, the city of Peterborough is not really in the business of building affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't really have the resources to do that. And it's not traditionally something that's within the scope of municipalities. That's more something that gets funded by senior levels of government. That's not to say that the city doesn't do anything. Um, our listeners might remember that this year, the city uh, took a couple of properties that it, it owns that are in the Parkway corridor. Um, so right. they're not going to be used for the Parkway anytime soon. Um, and so the city kind of uh, renovated them to create some affordable housing. So there's a couple of examples where the city has taken properties that it owned and turned them into affordable housing, but it's not very significant or large projects. It's usually pretty small ones. But one thing that the city does do to encourage the development of affordable housing is offer incentives to developers. Um, so if someone wants to build an affordable housing project, uh, they can apply to, for example, have the development charge that would usually be um charged waived or maybe the city can offer them reduced parking minimum parking requirements things Mm. like that Um, Mm. so just little things that the city can do to uh, make it easier and more cost effective to build affordable housing Uh, and that we you do see that reflected in the budget it's a program that's set to continue in 2021 to the tune of about 1.1 million dollars okay so that's money that the city is foregoing right they would have received it if they'd not been offering this program but they're choosing to not receive this money so that affordable housing gets built yeah that's right it, it's it's foregone revenue so um, other developers would be expected to pay those fees um, but if you are including affordable units then you can have them waived okay um but aren't there so this isn't necessarily about the budget but aren't there like can't the city you know, talk to all the developers that are working in the city and force them to make a certain percentage affordable? Uh, No, I think there's a lot of people in Peterborough that wish that 
city council could force developers to include affordable units in their developments. Mm -hmm. um, so the sort of planning speak for that is called inclusionary zoning. Okay. Uh, so you zone a part of the city and say that any development in this part of the city needs to have, you know, this proportion of affordable units. Um, and according under the current provincial regulations, uh, that's only possible uh, in major transit areas, which is a planning a kind of planning designation that mm -hmm. um, Peter doesn't have any of those. It's more of like uh, Toronto would. For, so Toronto would be allowed to do it around a, a subway station, for example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but that's uh, new regulations that were brought in by the provincial government a couple of years ago that really do curtail um, municipalities' ability to uh, pursue inclusionary zoning. And I know that even though it is possible in Toronto, um, I know that advocates for affordable housing are really pushing the government to reconsider this rule around transit areas because it really just limits the amount like where you can pursue inclusionary zoning. Mm -hmm. And in a city like Peterborough, where these transit areas don't exist, um, it's not possible. Yeah, and I think that really echoes a lot of what I've been hearing in, in these interviews I'm doing for this podcast about the, the different constraints on the city budget based on these higher levels of government. So there's like these regulations that you're talking about, but there's also just different types of funding available. So what, what funding is the city counting on to pay for the initiatives that we've just talked about? Yeah, um, funding from other levels of government is definitely a big part of how housing works mm. um, at the municipal level. Um, and during Budget Week, Mayor Tarian brought this up and really called on the provincial government in particular to uh, come to the table with more funding for, for housing and homelessness. These services, it is also important to note, have been downloaded from senior levels of government over the years. There's three levels of government that we deal with uh, when we're dealing with housing as a municipality. That's the federal government, ourselves, and the provincial Ministry of Municipal Affairs and housing. And so I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it, that we do need to be put pr putting pressure on them to come to the table to help with these projects. So there is a little bit of extra operating money coming from the province, um, and I, that I saw, that I noticed in the, in the budget. When I asked Oliver about that, well, first, she literally started to laugh. And, and then she said, yes, there is a little bit more money, but it, it, she called it quite modest. There's a little, little, little bit of uh, additional funding that's part of kind of our ongoing consistent funding that we get from the province. So we generally have a couple of pods. Community Homelessness Prevention Initiative is, is probably our largest. Um, and then we have a Home for Good funding. There's not been any change in the Home for Good funding since we started it a couple of years ago. We don't anticipate anything. So it never changes year to year. Um, and that's basically for some of our supportive housing programs. Uh, the Community Homeless Prevention Initiative is like the, the funding we use for shelter funding, housing stability funds, some rent supplements. Um, we had a very, very modest increase for this year. And so I think that the city would, you know, could really benefit from more, more funding. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, if I'm if I'm following the news correctly, um, there have been a number of provincial and, and federal announcements at, at a couple different moments this past year about funding. What, what's up with that? Are we getting any of that money? Right. So you're right that there has been so there have been some provincial announcements about about funding, and that's uh, mainly through the Social Services Relief Fund. And yeah, you're right to bring that up. And Oliver did bring that up too, and said where the where the province has really come through in 2020 is with one-time funding in response to COVID-19. Okay. Uh, and so the city did get 
um, I'm not sure exactly what the number it is, but it's in the millions of dollars to through the Social Services Relief Fund. And what's that? What that has been used for is really expenses related to COVID-19, like um, securing motel rooms so that people in the shelter system can isolate if they might have COVID, um, moving the shelters to the wellness center, and then mm-hmm. moving them back, paying for PPE, things like that. Um, also expenses associated with the new 24-7 overflow shelter. Right. Um, so you're right that there is new provincial money. It's it's more like a one-time, um, one-time um, funding for COVID-19. And I think that, yeah, what perhaps Meritarian and Ulver are speaking about is the need for, or how the, the, the city could really benefit, fit, benefit from more long-term operating funding. Sure, yeah. Um, so, so things like that one-time COVID funding, we, we might start seeing in the 2020 budget actuals? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an accountant, so I can't answer that question. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but, but it, it, I, I think it, what we're trying, I'm trying to say here is that it, rem- it's not in the 2021 draft budget. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot, there are other opportunities right now for capital funding for housing projects. Um, so the federal government's national housing strategy, which mm. was announced a couple of years ago, um, and has you been used so far in Peterborough anyway to fund like the Brock Mission development and the Habitat Humanity development at Leahy's Lane? Um, that's still in existence, so there's still opportunities to apply for that to right. uh, to get funding for affordable housing. And then there's a couple of new opportunities too. I think that there is a capital component of the province's social services relief fund, so that might be accessible to the city or organizations in the city to build housing. Um, and then there's the federal government's new rapid housing initiative, which is probably the, the biggest opportunity right now. That's, I think it's $500 million is available to cities like Peterborough. Um, so I know, I know that the city is working with community partners to, to apply for that funding. Right. Um, We're trying really hard to do what we can to build our housing stock that we can actually dedicate to homelessness. So that's part of our, 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 our challenges is, we have a binding priority list and we need more resources actually dedicated specifically to that list to try to, to house people. So I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to expand any housing opportunities we have where we have the opportunity to apply for any provincial or federal funding. We're doing that with all of our community partners or um, developers or folks who are able to work with us and we're able to meet the eligibility criteria for those programs. So. Uh, there's a heavy focus on capital funding opportunities, and we just really have to be ready um, to jump on those when we can. So we're trying really hard to work with folks in the community to make sure that we jump on those opportunities. So we'll see if the the city or some organization in the city is able to to access funding through the Rapid Housing Initiative. Um, I was interested when I was speaking with Olva about that. I was interest. She brought up an interesting. Um, not criticism, but uh, there is a barrier with that program, and it's that it doesn't come with any additional money for support services. Right. Um, when you think of someone that might be moving from homelessness into housing, what do they need to get into housing? I think they really need three three things. The first is housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there needs to be a place for them to move into, uh, and that's what initiatives like this respond to. There also needs to be rent supplements to, to help them pay the rent at this housing, because as we have spoken about before, even the most affordable affordable housing developments these days are not really affordable for someone that, for example, only has their Ontario Works check to pay rent with, sure. right? And yeah. so secondly, someone would need a rent supplement to help them pay the rent. And then in many cases, someone that's exiting homelessness um, likely needs a little extra support when they're in their housing to, to, 
to live successfully in that housing. Mm-hmm. If it's either it's because it's, they have mental health challenges or they have addictions, or maybe they've just been homeless for a long time and need some support settling into and learning how to live successfully in housing. Um, that can be a challenge if you've been homeless for a long time. Um, and that kind of support um, costs money. Yeah. And so the Rapid Housing Initiative doesn't come with that kind of money. Um, Wolfo says that that's something that the federal government is aware of and working on. Yeah, and in particular, like I, I think one of the the, the biggest um, hero might be a, a lofty term, but it's probably not the right word I'm looking for right now. But the best spokesperson that we have around homelessness right now uh, is Adam Vaughn. And he, for sure, every opportunity he has in, in, in the federal government is pushing for this funding in terms of capital. But he's also really always pushing for the provincial levels of government have to kick in the support dollars to, to make these units work. He's hearing loud and clear from everyone. We really appreciate the capital dollars. Um, but you're asking us to, to house our high security level people that need support to help them to stay where they are. So he's really pushing um, the federal government to push other levels of government to make sure that support dollars are, are, are coming. So we'll see if it, if that happens. Hopefully it does because we, we need the support dollars for uh, many of the programs that we would like to continue to do as we go along. So I thought that was really interesting to hear that um, the federal government is currently pushing the provincial governments in Canada to to step up and, and provide funding for support services to uh, to help make the Rapid Housing Initiative more successful. Because without that funding, um, it might not help the most vulnerable people experiencing homelessness in Peterborough. It might not um, be just simply because, um, yeah, those, those individuals need extra support and just uh, giving them a house but not giving them extra support isn't setting them up for success. Sure. And and this is a, a program that the city does run called Home for Good, if I'm not mistaken, right? One of the ways that the city funds supportive housing is, yeah, a provincial program called Home for Good. Um, and that, uh, that funding has flatlined, I think, since 2017. It hasn't yeah. increased. Right. Yeah. So so we might be developing this capacity on all these other fronts, but we're there's still one area that's not getting a, a boost. Yeah, it's a... You know, it's a puzzle. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pieces that go towards um, solving homelessness, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a matter of uh, f- funding them all sufficiently at the same time, and uh, and then delivering them all sufficiently. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's all uh, we really wanted to talk about today. Will, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I think that's uh, all the most important things, and that's sort of what I'm keeping an eye on for 2021. Mm-hmm. And not to spoil it, but we're going to have some uh, coverage tracking all of these uh, different developments on the Peterborough Prince website. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for joining me today, Will. Appreciate thanks, it. Asia. That's all for today's episode of Peterborough Currents. Uh, you can find more of our city budget coverage at peterboroughcurrents.ca. We've also got episode transcripts of all the episodes up there. Music in this episode comes courtesy of the May Hemingways. My name is Aisha Barmania, and thanks so much for uh, taking the time to listen. Bye-bye for now.